This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, host of the original Southern Remedy, the show where I answer your medical questions. Subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on any podcasting app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Deep South Dining, the show all about the culture of Southern flavor and the folks that love to stir the pot. Good morning, Malcolm White here with Carol Palmer. We will be your guides today. This weekend, the Mississippi Book Fest kicks off. It is known as the Literary Lawn Party of Mississippi at the state capitol. It's always a great showcase for Southern culture. We will build upon that and Mississippi's great literary traditions. We will talk about cookbooks and books about foodways with General Manager Lynn Roberts of Square Books in Oxford. Also, we will travel to Iuka and visit the Apron Museum with founder Carol Terry. Good morning. Welcome to Deep South Dining, the show about all you can eat. Good morning, Carol. We ate it all this week. We had a big week, you and I. Malcolm, you make my head spin. <laughs> you've made, you've taken me around the world with these articles I've been reading thanks to you. Japanese cuisine, Syrian cuisine, and about gingerbread. Yeah, it's been England, a lot. You know, you've been spinning. I've been sharing with you. <laughs> you have uh, been. Thing, things that I stumble on. Java, I've taken you off some of these lists. I know you get tired of all this stuff I send out. <laughs> I get it from all directions, but uh, I'm, 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 I'm waiting to hear what's going on. This international All right, Carol, take them one by well, one. Well, you know, I, I want to save them for... Um, Future. Yes, yeah, so it we talked about Japanese food and... Precision, right. uh, and how ja- and in Japanese food they're now starting to add Indian comments. I mean, <laughs> Indian condiments, <laughs> condiments, Cond- yes. condiments. Yes. And uh, you know, uh, then Syria is starting to become big A in hot, the culinary hot cuisine. world. It's hot, Syrian. hot, hot, hot. In case you don't know, now you do. So uh, you know, they're hot. Syrian restaurant in London that just broke into the world's 50 best restaurants. Right. And then we move to next to the graveyard of William Wordsworth, the Grassmere Gingerbread Shop. Been there forever. I know. Now, Huge attraction. You've been around, man. <laughs> and then, and then I see all these posters on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Yes. I was at the I was on the coast, and uh, after ten years of being open for business, I finally ate at Vestige. I oh, can't believe wow. it took me ten years. Well, to get there, you know, uh, you and Javin are supposed to go on a road trip there. He made the semifinals for the James Beard Awards. It's yeah. a hot ticket. It's a hot. It ticket. is a hot ticket, and that was my first uh, time in. And I've I've shared the menu with you, but you know, shout out to Alex Perry and. Uh, Kumi Amori, his partner, his wife, they do such a fantastic job there in downtown Ocean Springs. Uh, it's a prefix dinner, and, and I shared the, the menu. It was five courses and just inspired. Every course uh, is very precisioned, very precise. 
very intentional, uh, a really uh, explosion uh, of sensory in, uh, with every bite and every smell. So is kumi amore Japanese? I think that's right, but I can't. Well, I can just see. It, there's the, a lot of Asian influence. Yeah, there. see the Asian influence: mm-hmm. uh, Gulf yellowfin tuna, aburi, umeboshi, Bavarian, uni yeah, very, hot sauce. Very global. It's global. But Malcolm. man, is it good! They, they use that, a lot of local ingredients. Yeah, the, the little s- crab, the f- first or second. Course. It's the first course, jumbo lump blue crab croquette. Was wild. With lardo carrot kimchi. I think I made a sound out loud when I, when I bit into I, that. It was, yeah. it was a party in my mouth, Java. <laughs> it was. That, uh, the slow po- poached striped bass speaks to me. Fabulous. And but I, anyway. with some smoked trout roe. And it, daikon it was, radish. It was uh, it was outrageous. And elderberry capers. Yes. So I encourage um, all who are of the culinary uh, inclined to take a take a trip to Ocean Springs and uh, visit the Walter Anderson Museum of Art and uh, go to a Vestige and do yourself a favor. Well, the only select only choice you have to make when you sit down in that restaurant is what you want to drink. The food is all pre-organized, and it just begins to come. Were you alone? No, I went with Julian Rankin, the uh, director Excellent. of the Excellent. Walter Anderson yeah, Museum. Yeah, he's doing a great job down there. While, while you were cavorting yes. in South Mississippi, I was at the other end of the state. But my food was equally as good, and I don't know. I mean, that the fan in Johnny's is... It's off the chain, as they say. I love that food. Well, and, uh, you know, Taylor, Taylor Bowen Ricketts is one of the most gifted chefs I've ever known. Yeah, I mean, and, and you and I both had meals this past week at two of the very best restaurants uh, in Mississippi. Not that there aren't many, many more, but you at Fan and Johnny's and myself at Vestige. And Fan and Johnny's is in Greenwood, Um Taylor Bowen Ricketts is originally from Jackson, and she literally walks into her restaurant every morning and decides. Yeah, this menu you brought this morning, you had the fried alligator with comeback sauce. That's about as Mississippi as it gets. Yeah. You got the frog legs with the lemon pepper vinaigrette. And then I don't want you to think that I had all of these things below that I circled. These are just things that you... Okay, let me tell you what I brought to my husband, John Palmer. The man is still smiling. Duck confit and ricotta ravioli Mm. with portobello mushroom and garlic cream. Mm. I mean, you just don't walk in anywhere and get duck confit. No. And the buttermilk fried quail with pimento cheese, hash browns, and romalade slaw. All I can say is, These descriptions are just delicious. Like just the description alone. I haven't tasted anything. I haven't smelt anything. Just the (laughs) description alone will take you there. Yeah, it's terrific. We are so blessed to have these establishments uh, in our state. And for the football fans out there, Taylor is the daughter of Bo Bowen, who played for Ole Miss. I don't know if it was in the 60s. Probably, but yeah. people know him from all over. Well, she and her sister were legendary swimmers 
Yeah, what a bunch of athletes. I think they swam at Auburn, if I'm not mistaken. Um, her sister Maggie missed the Olympics by one three hundredth yeah. of a second, but she's had a great career in sports. Absolutely. Well, anyway, if you get a chance, Fan and Johnny's Greenwood, do not miss it. Uh, Vestige Ocean Springs, do not miss it. Uh, I had a great experience Saturday. Kara uh, and I woke up, and uh, we were having – we decided to have company for dinner uh, on Saturday night. So this is how we decided what to have. She said, let's go to the farmer's market and see what they have. So we went down to the farmer's market, and there we bought jumbo shrimp, shell, complete shell and head-on. We bought fresh corn. We made corn salad, potato salad. We went to Footprints Farms and bought every one of our vegetables, herbs, vegetables they had a tremendous uh selection so we bought these shrimp we bought all these vegetables and we went home and kara mostly prepared this amazing meal i did cook the shrimp and make the sauces of course of course of course so anyway if you don't think you can't walk into the mississippi farmer's market or any farmer's market across the state of mississippi and beyond and make a meal, you just need to do it. Just, just commit did. to whatever's there. Go pick out the fresh stuff, take it home, and make some food and, and share it with people who love to stir the pot. Yes, sir. And I must tell you that I saw the picture on our Facebook site, Cooking and Coping, yes. of the summer corn salad. Oh. It drew my eye. I didn't know who did it, but I went, oh my gosh, this looks wonderful. And, you know, read the caption, but there was something in it that caught my eye. And that was? It said summer corn salad with fistfuls <laughs> of mint and chives. That is so descriptive. From I mean, I can footprint. see it. I can, I can From, just see just throwing in <laughs> that mint and chives and yeah, was, whatever else. Yeah, it was great. It was a good meal, and uh, we were... Happy uh, about the way it came to be. And so encourage people to support your local farmer markets. Now, coming home from the coast this past week, I stopped uh, at Loblolly Bakery in Hattiesburg. People who follow food have been anticipating the opening of the yes, Loblolly. Uh, Robert St. John, Martha Foose, Donald, Donald Bender. Bender. Th- that trio have put together an incredible establishment. Uh, this was their first week, and I just popped in, and Martha gave me the tour of the – they have kitchens that are sort of what I call dueling kitchens. Martha is on one side of the building with Sweet and Gooey and her team. Donald's on the other side of the building with breads and croissants and savory, uh, you know, making – and right down the middle is Robert and his world, and he's out there working it, and they've got a counter, and now they've added breakfast and lunch. But it is a new uh, and important uh, culinary outpost in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, that is the Loblolly Bakery. Now, we know Robert and Donald and, and Martha, Martha from way, way back. And I can already taste Donald Bender's cheddar chief, cheddar, cheddar cheese, <laughs> chive. Biscuits and homemade pizza dough. Mm. And, you know, Martha is it's just awesome. a genius at pastries. Yeah. So, you know, she worked in San Francisco 
for a number of years and honed her um, creativity in Paris and her knowledge. And we're lucky to have her and lucky to have Donald Bender. And Martha was co-owner of the Bottle Tree Bakery in Oxford when it opened and also had a bakery in Greenwood with your, with your group. Yes. And Malcolm, you would call me on Fridays I when would. I was working in Greenwood and say, bring me a pie. Lemon icebox. Yeah, a lemon, lemon icebox, icebox pie. I do love the lemon icebox. And last week when you asked me what my favorite pie was, I said it was peach. Uh, but I'm not so sure that lemon icebox isn't a co-favorite. And I always love the recipe from the Fannin Mart. They had a wonderful recipe that was published in a book called Cook's Tour of Mississippi. Ooh, I now out of print, yeah. forward written by the great Willie Morris. It was his first writing when he came home from Mississippi from New York. And I believe edited by Susan Puckett, who's gone correct. on uh, with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and now is a you know, major writer in the cookbook world and, and works with other great chefs and authors to publish their books. Now, Java, uh, this weekend, Saturday, uh, down at the Mississippi State Capitol and Galloway Fellowship, Galloway Church, is the annual Mississippi Book Festival, a culinary uh, coming together, what we call a literary lawn party. And our very own Enrica Williams will be hosting uh, a panel. Yeah, she's going to be hosting a panel. Um, it's a cookbooks and culture panel. And she's going to be speaking with authors um, Erica Council, um, who made the book Still We Rise, A Love Letter to the Southern Biscuit. Um, with other over 70 sweet and savory recipes, Jocelyn Delk Adams um, with Everyday Grand, Soul for Recipes for Celebrating Life's Big and Small Moments, and uh, Ryan Mitchell from um, the book Ed Mitchell's Barbecue. And Eric, like I said, Enrica, you know, good friend of the show, she's going to be heading that panel at 245. So if you are a fan of Deep South Dining, a fan of Enrica, a fan of just, you know, good cooking, good Southern food talk then go over to galloway fellowship center um 245 during the mississippi book festival on this saturday all right that's a strong panel very strong yes very very strong and i've been speaking with enrica she's she's excited and um you know it's going to be it's going to be a great a great saturday saturday afternoon you know i don't know uh jocelyn delk adams but um erica council is just a legend in the southern food and biscuit world and ryan is the son of the great ed mitchell from western north carolina uh, barbecue pit master uh, he's been to southern foodways before i mean back in the early days but he's kind of a god among barbecue <laughs> yeah. people he's very he is revered and he and his son have done this this book and I can't wait to yeah, it's see gonna this. Yeah, it's going to be a good time, a good time. And this is the ninth book festival. Can I you know. believe that? No, it seems like we just started this two I years know, ago, Malcolm, maybe. you were one of the founders. But wow, the Mississippi Book Festival. Free, open to the public. Come on down. Uh, many uh, independent writers will have their books. Many uh, publishers, Lemuria, will have a tent. Uh, Richard Ford and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other extraordinary 
of writers will be on hand to in conversation, to be interviewed, to be on panels. It's just going to be outrageous at the Mississippi State Capitol. You know, uh, Richard Ford has a new book out. Yeah. Be Mine. And uh, I was thinking about Richard Ford over the weekend and thinking about you because of we ate the last of the fried brim that you and Richard Ford caught. And we have a we had a. Go ahead. We had a legendary fishing expedition uh, yes, on did. the Palmer Lake. Yes, you did. <laughs> and we have the Richard Ford Malcolm White Memorial Brim Bed. Oh, I thought we were about to uh, launch a new Richard Ford Malcolm White Brim Dinner. Like well, the we pork could. Chomp we club. could. Like the like Pork, the pork chomp, chomp Club. Great idea. Great <laughs> idea. I believe Java will come to that one. All right, folks. We are delighted that you are tuned to Deep South Dining this morning. We have two really fine guests coming up. First, Lynn Roberts from uh, Square Books in Oxford, the legendary Square Box. <laughs> Square Books <laughs> in <laughs> Oxford. <laughs> then we traveled to Iuka and talked to Carolyn Terry about her unusual and unique apron museum there and she is also a big collector carol of community cookbooks and buys and sells them so we're going to talk about community cookbooks the mississippi book festival square books and aprons and aprons as well so i'm pretty fired up to have lynn roberts on the show today and so am i she is a fixture totally a legend in her own town. In her own town. She she has been uh, working with books for many, many years and has turned many of us onto some great reads. And some terrific events. You know, Square Books is not only a bookstore in Oxford on the square, but it is a legendary uh, venue for book signings, uh, author presentations. And this is where... Uh, Thacker, Thacker Mountain, Mountain Radio, Radio was birthed. Yeah, uh, out of out of the cozy confines. I think of Lynn, Square Lynn uh, was the producer. Well, we shall hear from Lynn yes. here in Indeed just a moment, will. and she will tell us about that. With the Mississippi Book Festival being this Saturday downtown, our state capital will open the doors and invite all book lovers to be there. And we thought it'd be a good time to talk about cookbooks and books about food. And what better person to talk about that than our great friend from Oxford, Mississippi, and Square Books, Lynn Roberts, who is the general manager of Square Books. Hello, Lynn. Thanks for joining us. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. And and thanks for those very nice things that you said about me that make me sound like I'm 100 years old. <laughs> no, anyway, you're, you're, ba- you're barely you. old enough that most... Both Malcolm and I are big fans, so welcome. Oh, y'all are so sweet. And I'm so excited to hear y'all talk about the book festival. I will be there this weekend, too, and I'm really looking forward to it. And the um, cookbook panel, the cookbook and uh, what's it called? Cookbooks and Culture, I think. Yes. Cooking yes. and Culture. And that is going to be wonderful. And I think that. It's really, you know, it is emphasis is on culture because cookbooks are, you know, you do have the cookbooks that are absolutely just recipes and there's a lot to be learned from those. But then so many, um, and particularly the, the featured books this Saturday are, they're filled with stories and talk, you know, generations of stories and 
you know, there's this just a whole world of culture around food, and particularly in the South, that's, you know, f- of course y'all know. In the deep <laughs> South, that's, that's what we're all about. It's so important to us. Well, it is. And, Lynn, when I was thinking about you coming on the show this morning, I was you know, thinking about the wealth of, uh, of cookbook authors you have cookbook and, and food culture authors you have in Oxford, uh, you know, think of John T. Edge and his books in uh, Potluck Papers, which was just a, a really wonderful culture, um, pot liquor papers. <laughs> right. we're, yeah. Malcolm and we're having blah blahs this morning. <laughs> Okay, and and well, yeah. and Elizabeth High School has done uh, many great entertaining books, and then Vish Vish bought from Snack Bar. This has been kind of our cookbook of the year. He he was at the festival last year, but um, his book has added so much. It's called I Am From Here. If you look on our Facebook page, Cooking and Coping. People are cooking out of the book, which to me is the greatest compliment that you can give a cookbook author. Yeah. And of course, John Currents. In John Currents' uh, book. Right. Well. Yeah. Well, yeah. What's hot um, in the culinary world uh, on the shelves of Square Books, Lynn? Well, you know, uh, uh, Vishresh's book, I, I Am From Here, is, continues to do really well. And of course, people are coming to snack bar to eat his food and he's such a um you know such a generous person and that really comes through in his recipes and you know we always of course in oxford we always do really well with our local authors so john Kearns's um cookbooks continue to sell very well and elizabeth high school has three cookbooks also so those do great um and I think that, uh, you know, in, in the summertime, I don't know, I, I'd love to, I love to read cookbooks. Yeah. And so I, I read as much for the stories, I think, as for the recipes. And, um, and actually, I'm not, you know, personally, I cook a lot, but I'm sort of incapable of following a recipe. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, That's so kind I'm, of a compliment, actually. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I just I love to read the books and then and then be inspired and use the recipes. But I never have everything you need, and and um, you know, I always tell people that you know they shouldn't worry about following things exactly. That right. it's, it's a guide. But um, but I, I somehow in the summertime, you know, we're all all about tomatoes, and I've heard <laughs> the the, the y'all talk about the tomato sandwich. Great debate. And, um, but still, you know, and there's, you know, we should eat tomato sandwiches every day when we can, but (laughs) we still end up with a whole bunch on our counter that we need to get rid of quickly because, you know, they, they don't last. The fresh ones just don't last very long. So we do have this great book called, um, Simply Tomato by Martha Holberg, Holmberg, and they're like a hundred recipes which um you know i i could i I could eat tomato sandwiches three times a day, but this has some really wonderful, great ideas for roasting them and for pies and 
for sauces and salads and just all sorts of different great ideas for tomatoes. Malcolm, it's our kind of book. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, We never met a tomato we didn't like. That's right. And Malcolm has had many maters You know, the the big slicing tomatoes seem to have played out already. The heat has just been brutal. My sources have all – there were a few Alabama tomatoes at our farmer market uh, Saturday. But there's still those small ones. The Tommy Toes, uh, the little salad tomatoes are still pretty plentiful locally. Well, you know, there are – the, the fresh tomatoes that we grow here are, are absolutely the best. But I was interested to read in this book that um, she was talking about how you can, you know, get fresh tomatoes the rest of the year in the supermarket and sort of a guide of, like, how which ones to look for. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's key, that you can get them in the supermarket, too, if, you know, around different times of the year. But, of course, you know, we want to eat fresh and seasonally, and there are great things that come in the fall, too. So, um, But I also love, uh, I tend to, in the summertime and when it's hot, I don't know what it is, and but I always want to eat, like, food that comes from countries that uh, are also hot. Right. <laughs> From other countries that that are just dealing with the humid, hot weather, and they, you know, so often there's like spice involved. So, you know, all the South American cookbooks and mm-hmm. cooking and and their spice, and um, we've got this beautiful cookbook called Sofre, which is from a, um, a contemporary approach to classic Persian cuisine. And um, the author, the, the chef, is Nazim Alakani. And I believe that that is a restaurant in New York that I have never been to and I may never get a chance to. So the best I can do is look at this really gorgeous cookbook. It's beautiful. The pictures are just amazing. And it has you know, cardamom and pomegranate and date mm. and all that. Can you uh, taste it, Java? <laughs> <laughs> there are three smiling people in here. <laughs> how, how do you spell the name of the cookbook? It's S-O-F-R-E-H. And I, I don't know that I'm saying it right, but it's I say it's Sofre. And apparently that is the name of... Um, when when they dine, um, the traditional way is to put the tablecloth, you know, on the ground. They don't sit on chairs. They just sit on pillows on the ground. And so that cloth that goes on the ground, basically the tablecloth, that is, is that's what that's called, a sofre. Mm-hmm. So that's what the book is named after because it's all about hospitality and cooking for others and... Um, just, you know, being um, generous. Lynn is a font of knowledge this morning, oh, Malcolm. absolutely. Hey, you know, Lynn, we know a lot about square books uh, because it's part of our geography. But tell our listeners who may not know just a brief history about square books and the things that y'all do. Well, we are in Oxford, Mississippi, and we are on the square, and we have 
Uh, there are three buildings. It's kind of an unusual setup for a bookstore, but it's three different buildings, and there are really four sort of different stores that are all tied together in, in those buildings. And there's the main Square Books, the flagship store. Then we have off Square Books, which is our lifestyle and leisure store. So that's where we have all the cookbooks, and we have a great big cookbook section. And we have travel and humor and... Uh, other, you know, fun books there, and uh, that's also where we do events. Right, that's where you do your readings and your book signings and Thacker Mountain and all of that. Yes, now Thacker Mountain has moved to different venues. It has grown so much, um, so we often do it down at the uh, Powerhouse, uh, which is the Yachtnabatafa Arts Council building in town, very close to the square, though. So, Lynn, uh, again, for our listeners, and we have, you know, people from Peru to Portugal, <laughs> tell <laughs> tell us what Thacker Mountain is, and, and I think maybe you were one of the first or the first producer, but well, let, let us tell walk us through Thacker Mountain Radio. Okay. Well, Thacker Mountain Radio, I think it's really an original creation um, Oh, back in the day, several graduate students came who were in Southern Studies came to Richard Howorth, owner of the bookstore, and said, you know, we want to do an old-timey radio show. And um, Richard said, that's great, but I can't do anything unless it involves books. And so that's how Thacker Mountain was born in words and music. So from the beginning, there was a, uh, a host, an MC, a house band, a guest author, and a guest musician. And sometimes we'll have an extra author, and sometimes we'll have an extra musician. And it's an hour-long radio show. And you can listen to it on Mississippi Public Radio. Absolutely. And, uh, or online. And uh, that they do that every... They do... Uh, 12 shows in the spring and 12 in the fall, and then they'll do a few extra um, shows roaming throughout the state um, throughout the year, too. Uh, and it's, a, you know, it's just a wonderful, uh, fun show. Jim Dees is the host, and he is uh, he's a great host and really engages with the authors and probably ask them questions that they've never been asked before. <laughs> and uh, You know, when, when the Southern Foodways Alliance does its annual conference in Oxford in October, I know you always have cookbook authors and lots of cookbook sales. And uh, we would love to talk to you around that time about uh, who's going to be there and who's going to be on Thacker Mountain Radio. Sure. Oh, I'd love to do that. That'd be fun. I always love to talk about uh, cookbooks and 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 cooking and, and food. Yeah. Well, I have a question for you about community cookbooks. Are community cookbooks still being produced? Are they popular? And what what are you excited about? I, you know, I, I do think that community cookbooks are uh, still popular. I'm not sure that, that there's many as there were back in the day. Um, that, like, you know, there was one, a great one from Jackson, Come On In, which was 
uh, just like a bestseller throughout the region. In Oxford, we have one called Square Table that the Yachtnamatafa Arts Council did. Which is a great, great cookbook. Do you still sell it? We do. We still sell lots of it. And and it's a a wonderful cookbook because it does combine that aspect of storytelling and recipes. So you get a real flavor of Oxford and the community there. And I, I think that, you know, there's so, there, many people that visit the store uh, are collectors of community cookbooks, and that's their thing. Some people buy magnets, and some people buy snow globes. <laughs> a lot of people, when they travel, they buy a local cookbook. And so that's one. Um, and I, I, I think that, you can just really kind of learn a lot about a place by looking at their local cookbooks. Absolutely. Well, Lynn, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We look forward to seeing you uh, Saturday in Jackson for the Mississippi Book Festival. And uh, as always, we are huge fans of Square Books and all of the greatness that y'all emote up there in Oxford on the square. And we will, well, uh, do y'all have a, is there a presence for Square Books? Or are you just going to be down here? Or are you on a panel? What's going on? I, I am on a panel, and it is uh, historical fiction, and I'm really excited about that. And that will be at, uh, I think it's at 1.30 or 1.45, so I'll still be able to get to the cooking and culture after my panel great but um y'all come see me and i'll look forward to seeing everybody down there and and thanks so much for having me it was really fun to talk with y'all great pleasure you know carol way up yonder in tishomingo county uh in those red clay hills the town of iuka exists and when one goes to iuka uh they are almost in alabama and tennessee and mississippi at the same time and uh, I was recently there spending a week at the Pickwick Lake, where I've talked about what I do annually up there, besides eat a lot of catfish. But it's a fascinating place. And every time I drive through Iuka, uh, I am taken by the Apron Museum, which is in the old part of downtown there in Iuka. I'd been there many times, but on a recent trip, I decided that we should have the founder, Carolyn Terry, on the show to talk to us about the Apron Museum and about her love of community cookbooks. Please welcome Carolyn Terry. Unique, Malcolm. This is unique. The world's only Apron Museum. That's right. That's right. So, Carolyn, how are you? Oh, panicking. Panicking. (laughs) Don't panic. Take a deep (laughs) breath. Have a big time. We're so glad that you could join us. I've talked to uh, Mr. White, and I've talked to Java Chapman, and they know I can talk your ears off. But you put me <laughs> on the red show with television, and I just panic. I have my husband behind me, so if I totally panic, he's used to... He's used to coming in until I get comfortable. Okay, but, well, please be comfortable. Tell us about your museum, about the Avery Museum, and how it got going, and what's going on up there. Oh, um, well, I, we always tell people, whatever flashed through your mind... When we said Apron Museum, it's probably not going to be that. Um, it's um, a, a total accidental museum, a uh, combination of living 72 years, being from the South, but living a lot of other different places. And then I've been back almost 30 years, and I wanted to do something creative. I didn't know what it was going to be. And the Apron Museum came about 
with zero plan, less than zero planning. Um, I'm actually a book collector. I do do that. So with Lynn Roberts and Square Books, I know off Square Books, Square Books, Jupiter. I live I between that and Turnroad Books. Um, In book, Greenwood? Oh, yeah. Which burned on my birthday this year. Oh, which was tragic. Um, but our shop um, in Iuka, which we really didn't think was going to come to anything, I w- we bought the whole block of buildings to begin with, just because they didn't want to sell just one building. They wanted to sell four at one time. We got the fifth building, 102 years old. So we started remodeling, restoring them um, to do probably a coffee shop and a bookstore, which right. was a logical thing to do. But I also knew people that collected aprons, one lady local. And I learned to Google in 2005. And after I Googled everything to do with books and other things, I Googled aprons. Seven, that was 18 years ago. Today, we are now Mecca worldwide with anybody with a question about aprons, Hoover aprons or it's apron questions right. throughout history and literature. And we didn't think, you know, nothing was going to come of it. It took eight years to put the words apron museum on our window. In, <laughs> in that eight years, we were too busy running an apron museum. We started with, I didn't count them. It was a foot and a half wide, just a little metal rack with a few aprons on it. We're up to five or six thousand. Wow! Uh, that are being donated from all, mostly the United States. We have a few, uh, the Zimbabwe. We have a person in London that wanted to sell us a thousand PVC plastic aprons. <laughs> we, get calls, um, we get calls from Scotland. We're connected with the Ballarat Apron Festival in Ballarat, Australia, near Victoria. So it, it 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 came so much more than we ever dreamed. Um, we we're expanding, and when you come in, it's about art, fashion, and history. And I'm, I'm a historian. I love to read. Uh, right now, in the back of our shop, um, is a huge pile of books that we had to move out of one of the buildings we were renting. The young lady needed my book storage room during COVID. So we've been. It's just piled high. And when we buy books, we often buy the library. So the, the boxes, we haven't gone through them. I shop here. Hmm. We, we go through. And sitting in front of my desk right now is a um, very old um, Mississippi cookbook. It's called Woman's Club Cookbook from Greenwood, Mississippi. And yeah, yeah. That one, I was told by the University of Southern Miss, that the only other copy of this is the Mississippi Archive. Wow. Now, and I can't determine the date because they didn't put it on there, but I'm going to look up some of the old advertisements and determine when some of these companies came into existence. Now, Carolyn, is that the one with the recipe for the fried chicken? Oh, yeah, my love this fried chicken. Recipe. Tell our listeners about how this recipe starts out. The fried chicken, say fried chicken. After chicken is cleaned, dissect, lay in weak, salty water for an hour or two, drain and put in the pan, set in the refrigerator. Chicken to fry should be killed six or eight hours before cooking if you want it for the evening meal. And then there's later, it does tell you more about drinking out the blood. Right. So <laughs> Java, be sure you kill the chicken eight to ten hours before you 
prepare six it. to eight hours, per, Malcolm. Don't per the oh. recipes instructions. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and, uh, yeah. That's early brining weak exactly. salt water. Exactly. Oh yeah, and they, they go. It's really in detail about cutting it up and putting it on the cloth to drain the blood and hot, the hot grease. Everything goes on turnover, lifting with a long fork, fry until covered. Um, that side is brown. And at the last line, I like this one, which I didn't know. Never put black pepper on chicken. It will turn it dark and frying. That's something I never heard until you I were telling me about that, that's I always oh, yeah. And then in but, the back, uh, there's an elderberry wine recipe that's written in. Um, some really, just some really good sounding recipes. And our little museum is having our second, uh, with the Tishomingo Arts Council, uh, September 21st, we're doing food and poetry um, in our courtyard. We have a full courtyard out back, and um, we support the Art Council, and it's sort of interesting. They're doing food poetry. That's terrific. I like that. Yeah. This, this month, and uh, so you get the idea. We don't sell anything in the shop that's not vintage or locally made, which is hard to run a shop that way because we can't place orders. So do uh, you actually sell the aprons, and do you sell the community cookbooks? Well, I've been selling the community cookbooks cheap. Uh, our county did not get high-speed Internet until just a little over a year ago. Uh, so with dial-up DSL, we were not going to be listing any books on the book site. <laughs> it would have been like carving it in stone. And I needed to get the, the books out of my shop because it was it was crowded. Hmm. And... Uh, we've sold some really good books lately, uh, and I've photographed. Um, uh, one of them was um, a, a book on the Underground Railroad, and uh, just a lot of they're old. They're old books. Have, what about aprons? Do you sell any aprons? We, we've got a rack, uh, a huge rack, um, that we sell vintage aprons, and and then we sell locally made aprons. Yeah, so it's kind of a craft shop as well. Yeah. So, what era are most of the aprons in the museum from? Well, the, our oldest one that, and when I say oldest, the one we know the documentation on is the, the lady got married in eighteen forty six or eighteen forty eight in Mamani, Wisconsin, and we have two from the Civil War. I say my aprons have good book stories, or my books have good apron stories. <laughs> uh, one of the two, because we often. Um, or how I got started with, the, with getting aprons, we would go to uh, estate sales all over and um, looking for books. It wasn't anything to do with aprons. And um, my husband said, just put a note, said most of ours from the 50s after World War II. Okay. And we're expanding, so we are going to do an apron counting. We just needed more space to do it, and we're going to get volunteers, which we need. We'll have the space to actually get a better count. Uh, but, but we don't advertise. We've never advertised. Well, I shouldn't say that. We advertised for our apron symposium in 2019 in the Mississippi Tour Guide. Yeah. We did want to add there. But basically, we don't advertise. Right. But we get a lot of publicity without it. And we really um, we're not really ready for We just go ahead and we just stay open. Yeah. You, you see it when it's good and it's bad. Right now, the most crowded it's ever been because there's so many aprons, and 
vintage linens. Uh, just hard to find things. Yeah. One it, of our first, and one lady from Pennsylvania, uh, a couple on their bicycle coming up the trace, they walked in a few years ago, and her response was sort of sums it up. She walked in the door and said, this is what we're looking for, something real. And yeah, boy, you got sounds, it. Yeah, unique and real. So, it, Carolyn, it, tell it. Tell, not, it's not, go ahead. I was going to say, tell us about this uh, chocolate pie recipe that you were you were sharing with me that you found. Co-worker Jay Wolf up in Savannah, Tennessee, his mother-in-law passed away, and um, on the back of her program at the at the funeral, she gave out her chocolate pie recipe that everybody had been wanting. That's classic. <laughs> I love it, and I and I. You know, it's, someone they're going to keep your program. <laughs> That's a southern thing. That is good. I have never oh, heard yeah. that before. That is really but, good. <laughs> but our shop is just full of of stories with the apron, uh, people that come in. Um, it just gets more interesting. My my desk right now is covered with Foxfire books, the, his, the secret history of home economics, pottery bu- books. I bought a churn this weekend. Um, You're going to be making butter. Yeah, and now I can make butter. So um, have you ever been contacted by uh, movies or plays or theaters well, yes. looking for uh, looking for period aprons? Um, yes. The, the local community, the teachers have all kinds of Thanksgiving plays. Uh, uh, elementary school did a very good play through history, and they came and picked out period aprons and bonnets. Um, we had a movie set director, Sue Miller, that was retiring in California. She donated 83 aprons that she had collected for movie sets and TV and, and movies. And she said, I'm retired. I don't need them anymore. Um, we got permission from her to sell some of them because we operate not for profit. And I asked her if I could sell some of them just to keep us open. Right. And, um, and you said play. I don't know if they want you to know this or not, but a, a Ripley Theater, Ripley, Mississippi Theater Group, is working on a play based on the Apron Museum. Oh, and, oh man. You heard it first, folks, right and, here on Deep South Time. And uh, with a steel magnolia theme, we're not sure exactly what that means. We do know that we're going to supply the aprons for the set. It's going to be a one one act play, one setting. I'm not talking theater terms, um, but we're going to supply the aprons because they want it to look like our apron does. Apron museum does right now. It's just full of aprons. Wow. Uh, my husband makes the racks, and we basically the funding we need is to buy more hangers. We <laughs> just buy so many <laughs> hangers, and and it's easy. The racks that he builds are stronger than the ones we can buy. But it, we we I think the only place you can go in right now we we have cotton picking sacks for sale. Oh my! Um, we have a lot of old old things. In my husband's family, he grew up in Greenwood, the Mississippi Delta, and they his family never threw away anything. So we started out with the easy thing. We thought that, you know we opened as a vintage shop, just selling off a lot of our just selling off things like a lot of people. Right. Uh, we live in a little house. We live, we don't live in a house. We live in a cottage. <laughs> oh, and the other one, uh, National Repertoire Theater contacted us about six months ago. They were going to come over 
And they were also going to tour Alabama Chaining School of Making over in Florence. Right. Someone in that group got COVID. And I don't know why the National Repertoire Theater was coming. And I never have called them back. To, they haven't rescheduled. And it's just one of my many things that we have on our list. Uh, we're not sure when they were coming. It's never a dull moment at the Apron Museum in Iuka, Carol. I agree. Well, I'm headed that way, Mal. All right. Carolyn, thank you so much for joining us this morning, and we appreciate all that you're doing there, and I, you can keep up the good work. We love the tip that you shared about the uh, collection at the University of Southern Mississippi's library for community cookbooks. And don't put black pepper on your chicken. Never. It, it turns it brown. Yes. It's not, I don't know. You know, Carol, there are photographs in my little book, Little Stories from yes. the Apron Museum. I, I have some in there. All right. We really have had a big time today. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. We are funded by generous contributions from folks like yourself. Our show was produced by Java Chapman, my co-host Carol Palmer, and our guest today, Lynn Roberts from Square Books and Carolyn Terry from the Apron Museum in Iuka. I am Malcolm White. We ask that you now stay tuned for Marshall Ramsey's program. Now you're talking, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. And we ask that you join us every Monday right here on Deep South Dining, heard exclusively on MPB Think Radio, and have a good book fest. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.